What's up? This is Yanka Dez. Peace. This is Outlaw. And you're listening to the 80s Babies Podcast. How you doing, man? Good, man. How you doing? Doing well. Doing well. First uh, first episode, right? Yep. Bringing it out the gate, man. So, what do you want to tell the people? Uh, What, about myself? Yeah. Tell us about yourself. Uh, I guess, so in the context of the show, uh, it'll be relevant to say that... Uh, Obviously, 80s baby, 33 years old. I, I think that is going to be a little bit relevant uh, just in terms of, you know, being on that cusp between Generation Y and the millennials like we were right, talking about. Right. Um, you know, big hip hop, obviously, in high school and college used to debate that all the time. Yeah. Kind of fell off a little bit in mid 2000s, but I know we're going to get back into it. So tell yeah. the people about yourself. Uh, yeah. Yinka Diz, um, you know. World traveler, that's really what I what I try to do the most uh, in, in Canvas. Uh, super big hip-hop head, hip-hop fan. Uh, interacted with the culture like most people who was born in the 80s in any possible way. Uh, was a rapper, was a DJ, tried to break dance, wasn't very good at it. Uh, yeah, I tried to do that too. <laughs> yeah, uh, tried to do graffiti, was horrible at that. I was decent. Yeah, was right. you were nice, you yeah, were nice. Right. But uh, yeah, so as you know, you know, in our generation, we kind of everybody tried to do everything and we just kind of were sponges and we, we tried to do a, a lot of everything. Not everybody. There yeah. was, we could talk about that a little bit more, but <laughs> I remember some of the experiences that I had being yeah. in high school was fighting against people who just liked whatever was hot. Right. So I don't know if those are experiences for you because yeah, I know sure. you kind of you kind of sure. went into different areas. Uh-huh. I was pretty much in Northern Virginia. Okay. But you, you know, yeah. tell, tell us a little bit about your experiences where you were. Yeah, I mean, well, born in Chicago, grew up there till I was about twelve years old, and then moved to LA, um, and spent most of my childhood or, or teen years in LA, and then Virginia, Northern Virginia. I was That's there right. for a year and a half, and then moved to Belgium. So. Okay. Had the Europe experience. But I will say, yeah, I agree with you. We definitely rebelled against what was too mainstream. But I think from a culture perspective, like the things that were like the the four elements of hip hop, like, you know, we wanted to just be a part of all of those things. And like, you know, I mean, like like I said, um, I really did try to break dance. Like, you know, no, I did too. we even uh, had a a break dance club. Yeah. Uh, it was an official club for high school. Right. Yeah. I, I might have been like the only African American in it. Uh, so yeah. yeah. Everyone else was like Eastern Asian or right. something. I was in LA and um and you know, like we had a lot of Pacific Islanders, you right, know, and right. those were like the best break dancers. And oh yeah. There was a Filipino kid and he used to come over my crib <laughs> and try to teach day. me how to break dance. Like he would do all the head spins and all he'd be like, Yo, you gotta do it like this and I mean Marvin's like, you know, Pacific Islander height and I'm like tall black basketball player height and it just I was a little too tall and too lanky to be good at breakdancing but okay. <laughs> but anyway you uh you want to get into uh the topics for today yeah and this is a, a topic that I, I know that yeah I don't want to say passionate about but it's definitely you've had probably more conversations about this than I have but the juju on the beat right juju on the beat so my you know intro to this was actually through a lot of memes and things like that but people came to me kind of you know in our generation uh outraged of of the fact that you know somebody would co-opt knuck if you buck which is like a classic crunk song from an era which we all remember pretty fondly uh, you want to talk about where you were when you heard knuck if you buck so before oh knuck if you buck knuck if you buck let's start there when did that come out actually i think it came out my Second year at UVA, so so then obviously then I would have been a third or fourth oh, year, whatever. Oh four, oh four, I think is when it came out actually. So depending on if it was in the spring or the fall, I would have been a third year or a fourth year. Right. Um. Yeah. So MySpace then, uh, I would have been drunk all the time, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is which is which is relevant because which is good for what we're talking about here, it, right? It, well, it is because for one, you know, you're in college, so yeah. you're going to drink, right? But at right. the same time, too, like a lot of this music, yeah. like Nuck If You Buck, when yeah. I was in high school, I never would have listened to uh, Nuck If You Buck. Like, right, right. you know, I didn't like three six, and in fact, I didn't like three six or UGK until uh-huh. I started to drink. Um, which is probably shame on me for not liking UGK, but like three, six, like that music started to make sense to me when (laughs) I, you know, became under the influence of alcohol. Right. Right. And just, I remember once, I think it was, I was a fourth year UVA. I decided to go to a party sober. Mm -hmm. No bullshit. I couldn't dance. 
it was like I was actually asking people. I was like, "Am I on beat? Like for whatever reason?" <laughs> you don't understand. You don't understand. Since I started part, since I started drinking right. at UVA, right. every single party I went to, I was fucked up. Yeah. So yeah. It, it it it's it's a little bit relevant. So in terms of knuck if you buck, right. I was obviously in a space where it didn't. Those types of things, like in terms of like quality music, didn't yeah. necessarily matter. Okay. Um, I could dance to it. Uh, the ladies were dancing to it. There was an ass in my crotch. Like that's all. That's that's really all that mattered to me. So okay. it's like knuck if you buck. Like I know all the ladies. Like uh, when, whenever whenever the girls verse comes yeah, on, I come in the club shaking my dress joint. That's what it is. Yeah, I don't right? know the lyrics. I just know that like half of the party, which is all the ladies, would just start singing along. Yeah, so yeah. let them have their part. That's so, cool. So the way you remember knuck if you buck is not fondly in terms of like, oh, this is a classic or this is like a song that's really important or quintessential. Mm, to me, it's it's not because I remember around that time, some of those songs I used to kind of get confused. Right, right. <laughs> but fair, I remember um, Bangladesh had, um, he had that, was it uh, Pop, Lock and Drop It? Mm. Which to me, that beat was like bananas. Like okay. I still listen to that beat and I'm just like, I don't care about the lyrics. Like the just the beat on that song is is right. ridiculous. So the knuck if you buck beat, like that never really did it for me. To me, okay. it was always just if I'm in the club, like okay. people are dancing, I got my drink. There's a there's a chick grinding in front of me. Like that's all that really matters to me. So okay. to me, I don't really have any fondness one way or the other about the beat. Okay. But tell me about you and your friends. Yeah. Um. I mean, me. You know, this is like this is prime like Yinka as DJ. You know, right, at, at right. school time frame. Um. And it's funny because the crunk era was really dope because it made being a DJ really easy because literally. Every song that was out was either produced or in some way tangentially influenced by Little John. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. And all of the BPMs were the exact same <laughs> BPM. So, like, you literally had to do nothing as a DJ. You just had to cue the songs up back to back and just play them in an order that people wanted to hear them. But Nuck If You Buck took on kind of a special, a special place because, like you said, it was the first in that era of, like, crunk, you know, make people want to dance, make people want to fight era that had a female's part that was the part that was the peak of the song so you know prior to that you had you know i don't give a f or you had head busser or you know songs like that ain't no more playing ga like they gave you that same vibe yeah but there was no part with feminine energy in it that's probably true so so with this record this record was actually peaked on feminine energy and so it, it put women in the same space that men were when the, when the, when a record like that would come on. Because if you remember, the way the vibe that. was, when I played Headbusser, it got crazy and everybody got crunk, but the women kind of fell back. They went to the walls, right? I don't recall that. <laughs> like I said, I was definitely right. under the influence in that period, but I will take right. your word for it. You obviously so, had to yeah. be more observant. I mean, yeah, I was very observant of, of how, how the records impacted people. Right. And, okay. and Nuck If You Buck impacted people in a special way because it put both men and women in the same place. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, I think it just became, and honestly became one of the, one of the records that people remember of that era, that crunk era. Like you said, all the songs pretty much sounded the same, right? Like, yeah. And I mean, they all know. had the same feel to them. Yeah, like yeah. it was definitely. Look, hip hop has always been like party music, right? Um, and they were all party songs, but it was just like the type of party that you wanted to have. Yeah, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean. Just yeah, nah, he potential he, mosh pitting, just yeah. yeah. And I mean, he took it to another level when he when he when he dropped that like lovers and friends. Like every once in a while, Lil John would hit you with something that was just a little bit off the beaten path of what he was doing to let right. you know that he, he switch it up. He, yeah, he can switch it up. But but anyway, so so back to you know that people I think of our our time frame remember that record with a certain fondness so this juju on the beat record comes out it's the same beat um obviously not very complex lyrics or really taking it anywhere further than what it really was with just people dancing those on the are, same beat right those are lyrics <laughs> i guess okay. so, yeah all right so uh so really i why why i wanted to to broach this was people felt a certain way about it and it took me back to the era of when I really got into hip hop and and how certain things that we now look back on super fondly, um, the generation before us, 
they, they also even might look back on it fondly now. But when it was happening, they weren't into it. And and very specifically, Bad Boy. Take I've that, always been. That, well, well, when I was young, I was a huge Bad Boy fan. You were a bigger right? Bad Boy fan than I was. And that's yeah. that's even with the fact that Biggie is still my favorite. Right. Um, I was never really into to, to the Bad Boy. Yeah, like that. I, Locks was my favorite group. Okay. You know, like I... I Thought I was in Bad Boy when I was in middle school. I was. I, I kind of want to see. I, that. I did you have your that. shiny suit? <laughs> nah. <laughs> Actually, when the shiny did suit you, era did, did, came, did you have your your, your diamond take earrings take and whatnot? It was, it was weird because when the shiny suit era came, I, I always liked the fringe of Bad Boy. So like, I liked Big, and then when Big was gone, I liked the locks, and then I liked, you know, I liked G Dep. So you, you didn't have the mean? shiny suit, but you had like. The pleather baseball jersey. Take that. Yo, you had that joint. If I could have afforded the pleather baseball jersey, I definitely would have rocked that joint. Definitely. But uh, but yeah, you know when 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 those records were out, uh, particularly like Mo Money Mo Problems. Yeah. I remember playing that record in the house and my my parents hearing the record mm-hmm. and my parents being like, they just took Diana Ross and just said words over it. Like, this is, like, is this music? You know and. And I'm like, yo, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Like, what are you talking about? I remember, I do remember when that song came out, and I wasn't even yeah. a huge Biggie fan at the time. Hmm. Um, I was late on. I was like, yo, you were super late. Yeah, I was super late. I didn't really Biggie get into Biggie that. until like '99, 2000. Oh, wow. So, so he was already that, gone. Yeah, and that'll be a that will be a, a a running theme. You'll see that I'm often late to some of this music <laughs> stuff. Um, yeah. Just for the people out there, I'm a fan of timeless music. And yeah. I feel like if it's if it's good, it doesn't matter when it came out. That's so, true. Yeah, you know, I'm 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 not always going to be in a rush to hear something new. Right. But um, so I was I was late to the biggie thing. But I do remember that song. This was back when I had my little my little boombox. Mm. Um, I feel you know I might have actually had a stereo at the time. I had my little my my tape deck. Um, and it was always ready to like press record. So right, right. back when we actually used to listen to the radio after yep. school, not just in the car, yep. but you know, at home doing homework. It's like, yeah. oh, my song comes on, boom, yep. press record, and then you I'm listening to it. And I had that joint on. You had record and pause down. Record and, and pause, you just exactly. Click the pause button. Exactly. Yeah. You, know, you know what it is. Yeah. And and I used to listen to that song all the time. Did I have any idea that it was Diana Ross? No, this was back in the time when I didn't, I wasn't even too familiar with sampling. Right. Like I didn't really know what sampling was. Right. And so. I was still shocked when I actually heard the original Diana Ross. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Um, but I loved it. Now, I didn't have the conversations with my parents that you might have had. Right. So. Yeah. No, it was, it's weird because it wasn't even a real conversation. It was more so, like you said, back then it was the radio. So, you know, constant battles. I, I grew up in, in Southern California around that time. So, so I'm, you know, you got to drive 35, 45 minutes to get anywhere. And and so you're sitting in the car and and you're you're arguing with your parents or whoever else is in the car over what radio station you're going to listen to. So, you know, I'm the kid that's trying to listen to the hip hop station. And in a way of rebelling and trying to create an argument as to why we shouldn't be listening to that, my parents are going to criticize every single song that comes on. To try to find a reason to switch it back to the oldies station or whatever the station is that they want to listen to. And so, you know, that being my favorite song at the time, because literally Mo Money, Mo Problems, I have a storied history with that song. It's actually it was actually I performed that song in, the, in my eighth grade talent show okay. and and tore the tore the house down, me and my friends. Or, or, or you, at least if you ask any of us, we tore the house down. Right. I'm sure. And, and that moment on stage was the moment that made me want to perform hip hop music. Okay. So like I I have like a very a very strong, you know, opinion about that song. I really really like that song. And um and yeah, so for my parents hearing it and being like, "Yo, this is trash. This is just so makes me think is there going to be a moment where people look back fondly on Juju on the beat or whatever it's called and and they say, you know, anybody who doesn't get this moment is a hater. This is a classic moment in music. I would say no. I do not think that they will. Are we haters for not feeling fondly about Juju on the beat? I don't feel negatively about it. Um, it's not a thing that excites me. But right. at the same time, I think that if you're going to talk about Juju on the beat, we need to also address 
Like, is it the juju be, juju on the beat challenge? Like, that's an actual thing, right? I think so. Yeah. Because I remember, like I was saying before the show, mm-hmm. my first experience, my first encounter with juju on the beat right. was uh, a friend of mine sent me a DM, mm-hmm. and then later I saw in her snap. She said uh, she had like a like she's dancing in the mirror, or whatever. It's like Juju mm. on the beat challenge. And I'm right, like, right. What is that? She's like, oh, I sent you the DM. It's the one with the the white cheerleader. She's doing it. everyone's egging her on. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you when you think about the nature of how everyone needs to to to, to share, like the social media aspect, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Everyone needs to record themselves and share it. Yep, like, yep. it's just going to become another fad. And so, mm. you know, I think the question the question I would have for for the question I ha- I'd have is this: Let's say. All right, right now, right? Right. If 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 Nuck If You Buck comes on right now, like at a party for us, uh-huh. right? It's about 10, 11 years after it came out. Yeah. If it comes on, all right, maybe we don't, we don't want to hear the entire song. Mm-hmm. But if it comes on, like even me, I will still get a little, a little, a little crunk. Right. Right. Or if um um the 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 Snoop and the C Murder Joint, like was yeah, it, uh, down from my ends. Yeah, 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 yeah. That song comes on, right. and I'm going nuts. Right. Still, right. And so the question I would have is, all right, let's let's not ask ourselves. Let's ask the, the this current generation who's right. enjoying it. And if ten years from now, Juju mm. on the beat comes on, right. if they're excited to hear it, then okay, maybe right. it does stand that test of time. Uh-huh. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. I, I don't know. So so then, is is Juju on the beat and the success and virality of Juju on the beat more about the vanity? of this generation than it is about the song i would say yes right because that's I mean, what i would say because it almost feels like people don't love juju on the beat they love the concept kind of like the als challenge kind of like um, coney exactly 2012 you know like yeah. where it's like being a part of a moment but but in a very vain way right like showing that you're a part of the moment by videoing yourself or, or taping yourself doing something does that does that make us haters no 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 no. the reason why i was laughing is because this is gonna this could potentially get us completely sidetracked but Uh the the person i was thinking of is arguably our favorite topic to 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 not even argue about just just vent to each other about is is, it makes makes me think about beyonce essentially Uh and 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 i don't Uh want to get i don't want to get too sidetracked but we can't do that on the first episode man can't just beyonce well, sorry, Beehive, don't kill us. No, the, just the idea, though, that um, and, and this has nothing to do with her music. Mm-hmm. It has to do with the social reaction to her music, right. which is the, the vanity aspect. Right. Mm-hmm. One of the I think um, I'm not sure who made it first. Um, it may not even been one of us. But one of the I remember one of our talking points was the 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 the, the hyperbole mm-hmm. of the Beyonce appreciation. It's. Mm-hmm people getting on social media and right. needing to one up the other individual right, right. like another individual like oh you like beyonce this much well i'm more <laughs> extreme so i right. liked her that much and then and then someone retweets it uh-huh. and it's just like oh like look at all these retweets that my expression yeah, my right. adoration of beyonce had yeah and yeah. there is i think that there are some 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 parallels that you can draw between you know just that kind of social media frenzy revolving an artist like her who mm-hmm. you know i do believe is a good artist so this is not this is not a beyonce segment but it's just in terms of the reaction yeah and and there's some some parallels that we can draw between that and you know the the, the juju on the beat challenge or yeah. what was the one right the before running, it was running the running man, man challenge, challenge which is also challenge. in juju on the beat yes yeah and then yeah. that one again that was another song though maybe this is another thing we could talk about but that was another yeah, one but that see, it was it so, was back in the so what, but the see the 90s. crazy thing about that and the reason why i think that th- that this is different and it's almost derivative in a negative way is because the running man challenge was a song was being done to a song that was made in the 90s that was yeah. popular right it's my boo yeah. So so they did classic the show. joint to my boo, which is definitely a classic, but it big up to my boo in a way that, you know, all of a sudden they were like, yo, this song from the 90s just sold 100,000 right. copies on it iTunes. Chart. It did chart. Right, that so was charts. I remember when uh, I remember when 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 I found out about that, I was like, I was actually kind of happy. Yeah, and right. I exactly. think it charted better now than it did yeah. at the time that it was released, if and I'm not so, mistaken. And because there's more consumers now. Yeah. Okay. But 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 that's positive for my boot, whereas okay. in this situation, we just watched the music video 
It didn't. They didn't shout out Nuck if you buck. They didn't. They didn't footnote it, liner note it, nothing. So it's just like, first of all, I don't even know how you can make a song that's like literally just taking this joint and then just saying some stuff over it and putting it back out. Ghostface killer. Little John must have got picked. True. <laughs> True. That is a fair <laughs> argument. But uh, but yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll, we'll get to that because we, we're probably gonna have multiple Ghostface segments. But uh, but yeah. But I mean. This situation, I don't see how they benefited from it. Who benefited? Oh, from the actual the, artist? Yeah, for, for how how Crime Mob benefited from it. Well, I'm sure they're gonna they're gonna get royalties. If not, there's they a, a lawyer that needs to get on that ASAP. No, um, I, I would absolutely <laughs> assume that they 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 would yeah. get royalties. Let me inject the point that I made earlier. Right? What is the difference between you know holistically? What is the difference between Juju on the beat and just a friend 2002? Where you know you take a song that was a hip hop song or whatever that was wildly popular with folks of a certain is that generation. The, is that the Mario just a joint? Friend. Yeah. Okay. So Biz Marquee has just a friend. It's right, huge. Right. Everybody loves that song. I, from it's that generation. still in my rotation. Still actually. classic, right? <laughs> and then a kid, you know, Mario comes out and he makes a wild smash where he takes the same Not in my and rotation he and he makes the song over again. Right? Is that also you know because. I liked the song when it came out. Right, right, I was right. spinning at the time. I would play it at, at, at parties. People loved it. Um, is that just, is this just a just a friend of a different era? Because we were okay with just a friend when it came out in 2002, right? We so, were. Even I was, even though it's not, I'm not going to pretend like it's a favorite song of mine, but right. I do recognize that, first of all, they remixed. I think the beat is actually a, a it's couple, totally it's different. It's totally different. And it's beat. dope. Right. It it was it's, yeah. it's a good piece of music. Um Yeah, yeah. And all they really do is, you know, they kind of take the premise of the song. Yeah. Um and then they, you know, they take the hook, which people have done that all the time. Yeah. Um I mean, when you think about oh, there's been there's been like uh, the the Fuji's ready or not, right? I mean, right. they took, you know, right. they took they took Enya. not just a beat, but they took uh, the the hook from yeah, um, um, was it the, the dramatics or ready or not. It probably was the dramatics. The Dells or the dramatics. It was it, one of the D groups. Yeah. We, should, yeah. we definitely should know that. Yeah, it's not even the Delphonics. <laughs> yeah, so you know, hip hop had kind of been doing that, and so you know, hip hop R and B definitely in the nineties was definitely you know, um, um, definitely. Um, interwoven right, if you right, will. for sure and so i don't think that they were doing anything out of the norm yeah um with this though so this this comes into this comes into i guess a broader question about like what really is it about like this kind of music mm-hmm. and so okay let's go with trap for example right okay. i would i would say that juju on the beat is without a doubt it's not a trap song yeah right there is some there is some, there are some trap songs that I mean, obviously we bounce to. Right. Um, I know there's a few that you like. Yeah. And, you know, but at the same time, like, we still come from a generation where we listen to lyrics. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so we're like, what the hell are these folks saying? And then, see, of course, I think, I think with that, with their joint, right? It's almost like, it's almost like we've regressed. We've gone all over again. Because if you remember, you know, and and this is this is me also actually making an argument for this generation, right? Okay. Uh, uh, when hip hop started, MCs were really just about moving the crowd and making people and making people react in a this certain way. And literally, that's all Juju on that beat is, right? right. These kids are saying, "Do this dance, do that dance," right. and, and the people are doing the dance, and that's what what it's all about. Right. It has no like deeper meaning or content than or context other than moving the crowd. Right. But they're successfully doing that though. And well, the point that I was going to make is that you know you and I still come from a generation where lyrics mean something. Right. You know, I mean, we used to argue about who was not just like forget the music, mm-hmm. but we used to argue about like whose lyrics were better. And you know, I don't think that anyone, even anyone who enjoys Juju on the Beat, I don't mm-hmm. think anyone is going to make an argument that the, the, that the lyrics are good. Right. But the reason that I bring up the trap music is because I have conversations with 25-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I remember one in particular, I was like, what, what is it that you like about this Travis Scott song? Mm-hmm. Um, and she was just like, it's just the energy. Like, all this yeah. stuff is just the energy. Yeah. And so I think that that is how a lot of them are listening to this music. And so with Juju on the Beat, it's just... The energy is the energy mm. of, of kind of what you're talking about. It's yeah. like, oh, I say do do this, you do that, yeah. um, and and people are dancing along with it. I right. mean, 
you know, um, maybe you could say the same for, for the old generation, uh, the older generation, like at weddings, you know, they like mm-hmm. their Casper slide and then Mr. Mm-hmm. C yeah, and, yeah. Their, and their, People, um, I think it's, it's the call and response, you know, thing has been rocking since the beginning. Um, you know, uh, so the, the, I was going to say, at what point are we going to talk about soldier boy telling <gasps> Because do you think that that was, do you think that that is kind of like, I don't want to say the benchmark, but that was like kind of the starting off point for like this new, like what we're seeing with you, you want to beat? Yeah, I think, I think so. Um, that was a big yeah, deal. It was a big, huge deal. I um, liked it at the time. I remember, yeah. I remember, oh my God, I did some corny ass shit, but I remember we would, we had this grown ass people. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm 24, 25 at the time. Right. Going over to someone's house and like. We're we're doing like karaoke thing. slash uh, the Superman <laughs> yeah, dance, yeah. whatever. And we all knew what it meant. Like we all knew what the mm. Superman meant. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But like we're still doing this dance. Like uh-huh. I hated it. I was <sighs> the opposite. And and you you know so I can be the old curmudgeonly guy. And it's funny because now we're switching. You know, you know, and I I'm, I'm the old the old fart. But um, I was in Atlanta when they broke that okay. record. He's he is from Atlanta, um, right? He's from Mississippi. But okay. they went to Atlanta to break it because that was the big city. That's, that's where, 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 that's where, where the they all go. Um, but yeah, and I remember being in a club with Seandris. Okay. And at the time, we, it's we, funny because a lot of people... Shout out to Seandris, by the yeah, way. We definitely got to get her in the show at some point. For sure. Yo, actually, I was talking to somebody and they were like, Seandris should be one of the people on the show. And I was like, yo, I wish, sure. she was, I wish she lived here because she would be perfect for the show. But anyway, so um, me and C, we in the, we in the club and... Uh, and these girls walk in with these little flyers and they walk up to the DJ and they say something and then just post it. Now, this is a club. It's on a Wednesday night. There's like five to ten people in the club. Like, it's not popping at all. Okay. And like two like pretty bad looking, you know, young chicks walk in. It's, and they, it's, and they, it's Atlanta. Know. Yeah. So so you're, everybody's kind of looking around like, okay, what's going on? So they talk to the DJ and then, and then the DJ played the joint and then they started doing the dance. And then... Another couple girls walked in that were also with that promo team, and they started doing the dance too. And what I what I realized, because then I saw it happen again at another spot. What I realized was that that's how they were getting, they were creating the virality of the dance. Okay. So this is, and this is before it became a YouTube sensation. Right. They were trying it out at clubs and trying to get people to do the dance. So I remember hearing the song, and then you know, and the song ended, and the girls left. And Sian just came over to me and she's like, yo, you saw the little dance? I said, the dance was cool, but I was like, that shit is whack. <laughs> and she goes, yo, I kind of like it. She was like, that that joint is catchy. Like, I think it could blow. It, it, and I was, was like, sketchy. I mean, there's I a mi- at the time, you know, there's a million songs that sound like that yeah, in Atlanta. So, true. so I, I just, I didn't think twice about it. Then it becomes viral. And I remember the next moment that I had in my head about the whole thing. I went to a party and it was during birthday bash happens at in atlanta it's like a it's like their big radio like summer jam or okay. whatever but in atlanta there's called birthday bash so i was at a party that i guess was like an after party to birthday bash or something so people were everywhere this was downtown and um there were dudes in suits in the club there were dudes with wife beaters in the club there mm-hmm. was i mean it was flooded and everybody was kind of doing their own thing because there were just different pockets of people Crank that soldier boy came on and literally I don't think I have ever seen like such an eclectic group of people unify the way I saw like literally you have a hundred people there's people with suits there's people with whatever on and they're all doing the dance in unison and I was just like this is it like this dude came he he running things man like that was huge and this is definitely this song is definitely a part of that that movement but um I don't know. Maybe I'm just too old to be a part of that movement again. I mean, that's that's the whole point of this, right? It's like where you come from, like where where your ears come from, like where's your yeah. listening, what's your listening experience? Like you still, mm-hmm. and the thing is, you're not just a hip hop head. You right. like dance hall. Um, you like some jazz. You like some Afrobeat. Right. Like you know, like music. Like you mm-hmm. understand like drums and bass right. and like chord progressions and things like that. You and I still listen to music from that standpoint, but maybe mm-hmm. these other folks, like, look, maybe they just want to have a good time. Right. Just casual listeners. And, yo, another funny thing back on the Crank That Soldier Boy thing, just after Crank That Soldier Boy, I had another moment like that in Atlanta with Party Like a Rock Star. 
hated that song. And I loved hated, that song. Oh, God. I hated that song. <laughs> so, like, I hated the Soldier totally, Boy thing. I thought dude. it was corny. Oh, God. I hated that but song. But I just remember being in the clubs in Atlanta when Party Like a Rockstar came out. And just the energy of the people. I mean, people were mosh and, and crowd surf and wild out. And it just, that energy was just so dope to me. I never thought the record was cool. You know what, though? But, that, that era because what was that that was like 10 years ago right yeah we're talking like 06 okay yeah that whole era of music to me in terms of hip-hop urban music right mm-hmm. that whole era of music to me was like the start of you don't really care about like the verse it's just yeah the opening of the track and then you can switch on to the next one if you want to basically like um i mean there's a whole there's a whole <laughs> slew of tracks like that yeah um, that whole I, era all of it even pop lock and drop it all that stuff you you heard did you was there anything beside that is there anything that you out, that you can get out of the first 30 seconds that you can get out of minute two minutes and 30 seconds just you more, get what i'm saying more bangladesh being a beast on that track that's, yeah the that's, beat that's is dope, but this is what me. i'm talking about all these records nah, that like right. if you've heard the first 30 seconds you can pack it up and leave because because the whole rest of the record you're not going to get anything else out of it besides what you heard in the first 30 this is seconds. true this is true but yeah. so, but it's still it still goes to the point though that a lot of this stuff like it didn't matter what they were talking about um during the actual verse of the track yeah yeah because um, i don't know any of those lyrics yeah. i know the hook and that's pretty much all i need to know <laughs> but that's but that's what this generation is doing with theirs right now right um what well, yeah in that sense, I guess you can't even really blame them, though. I mean, because they yeah. have to come from something, right? Yeah. So the music that they grew up with was this shit that we were putting out. <laughs> Fair. So then, so you think then that it's the fault of the artistry of the mid 2000s that 10 years later, this is what music sounds like? Um, that is a, actually a decent question. I think, mm-hmm. I think it's definitely a factor. Cause you um, know, you know what's crazy? Um, they asked Soldier Boy when Soldier Boy blew up who his favorite artist was. Mm-hmm. And he said, he said the first rap artist he ever heard was 50 Cent in the club. And he said that song made him want to be a rapper. That's cool. Right. And so, first of all, that made me feel old. It's crap. Well, hold on though. But Soldier Boy was 16 when he came out though, right? Yeah. But it still young. made me feel old that somebody's first rap song could be that, right? Okay. So, now we're talking about people that are from a generation where Soldier Boy might have yeah. been the first rap song they That's ever heard. Funny, because Jeez. I was in the studio, I was in the studio uh, two months ago, and everybody, you know, studio is kind of like the barbershop. You know, the waiting area is kind of like the barbershop. Everybody's kind of joning on each other and talking about sports and politics and whatever. And um, there was one kid in there, and he's like Soldier Boy's biggest fan currently, like presently. I didn't even know Soldier Boy was still making music, but apparently, this is in 2016. Out, yeah, right now. Okay. So apparently he said Soldier Boy just put out a mixtape a couple months ago. Okay. And he said it was tight. I don't know. Whatever. Okay. So but but you know, and the dude was the dude was was waxing poetic about Soldier Boy. And uh we you know, we ended up having a conversation where I'm like, yo, what what is it about Soldier Boy that that resonates specifically with you? And I mean like he he could give you the top and the bottom of like why he really feels like Soldier Boy is dope. And he was talking about how Soldier Boy has this concept of like rich nigga shit where, you know, he just be talking about how, how it is to be fly and be rich and, and be young because he's got money. And, but I don't know. I don't even remember what the kid was saying. It's just started to sound like the Charlie Brown voice eventually, but he was very passionate <laughs> about what he was saying. And it made me feel like there's somebody out, there's a lot of people out there that are, are passionate about that era. Like that's for them is what get at me dog was for us true the thing is though all right the music the music that we were listening to when we were in high school right those artists were inspired by you know they were inspired by rockham they were inspired by early tupac they were inspired by biggie right um you know krs1 wu-tang clan like they were inspired by people who took the lyrical aspect serious and the thing is and the 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 lyric things, like, that's something that doesn't get called out anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember, um, and I'm sure you saw this, the the freshman, the, was it, the double XL freshman, freshman joint, cover. right? Yeah. And they're all doing, like, the little freestyle segment. And Lil oh, Uzi Vert my. is saying whatever the fuck he's saying, right? <laughs> right. Um, and, and, I, and I mean that literally. Like, that's not a knock. He's saying whatever the fuck he's saying. Because I don't know what he's saying. And right. you know what? That Look, it's fine. If you dig that, 
you dig it. Yeah. Cool. Because there's clearly there is something appealing about right. his style. Right. But the other little dude on the side with uh-huh. I don't know what the the fuck he just oh, got Kodak Black with the with the hair thing. Is that his name? Yeah, Kodak he's Black. He's cheesing. Yeah. He is absolutely cheesing. Like, yeah, yeah you're doing it. And I'm like, yeah. what is he doing? Yeah. You know, man. And, and and the thing is it's like, look, they get it. And maybe I don't get it, right? <laughs> but my point is, is that the artists that we were, the artists that we were listening to, like, the cypher meant something. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it really, it really meant something. And that is just, it's just kind of gone now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that when, when we talk about this, like, when we talk about your boy who likes Soldier Boy, tell him, like, yeah. he is not listening to an artist that was inspired by the cypher. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, he but, but, just wasn't. But whose fault is that, though? I feel like I'm I not sure like, if there any is anyone to blame because because um, I honestly in in some ways I feel like it's our generation it was our responsibility to keep the rules to the culture to keep you know to keep be keepers of the culture and I think that in a lot of ways we allowed the culture to be commoditized and then and then it it, it disappeared because of that. But what what control did I have over that? No, not you specifically. I'm talking about no, our generation. That's what I'm saying. So, so like, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a perfect example, right? Um, I remember, you know, obviously, you know, I come from a rap background. I, I rapped. I was in a lot of ciphers and battles and all types of stuff like that. And so that like that's that's like I cut my teeth in all of those things. Right. And so I've seen all of that stuff. And I remember in those days, um, you know, I almost would think of it as a compliment eventually, but but. You know, people would if people thought that you 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 in the cipher you weren't really freestyling or in a battle you weren't really freestyling you wrote you pre prepared what you you had to say, it was a big deal. It was like I, I mean remember. like yo you like you're whack. You know what I'm saying? If you were to take somebody else's lyrics, like Ooh, what? Don't yo, be a biter. Th- yeah, don't man. Don't be a biter. I, I, but there was a time frame when hip hop was all one thing. So so the clan could have Enough, yeah. could, the clan could have ODB. You know doing like I, honestly he used to do like drum cadences with his lyrics like he was yeah. just off the wall doing all type of crazy shit and then you have somebody like ghost who's talking about whatever ghost is talking about and then you have flip stacks <laughs> like 48 bundles <laughs> right and then you got a down the line rhymer like inspected deck you know what yeah. i'm saying That's those are dude. all elements of one thing and mm-hmm. they all were governed by rules right so like i i think we allowed the money situation to be more important than anything else. That's fair. And the thing is, you but you could say that that problem started, I mean, you could say that problem started like in the 90s, though. Yeah. I mean, whatever happened to Murder Mace? When did he end up with a dollar sign in his name? Like, M-A dollar sign E, it used to just be Murder Mace. Yeah. Like, dude got on the label, dude put on the shiny suit. But see, the sti- but still, even when in the shiny suit, he was still nice. He was still, he was still yeah, nice. nice and he was still rapping coherent right. lyrics that yes, we was. understood what he was saying like he was he wanted to be the best sold out mc he could be sure and he probably he might have been one of the best sold out mcs like he sure. when he sold out and completely went away from the murder mace thing he was still nice as hell he was still nice you know what he i'm saying nice. so I, I think it's just i think though that we or I, I keep saying we but the you know our generation of mcs the people who were the gatekeepers and the tastemakers they allowed their pockets to get lined and that was more important to them than actually keeping the culture what the culture was supposed to be about i would say that there is some truth to that i would also say that look maybe they had they probably had reason to allow the money to get into. Them. I mean, look, like that was their living, right? You know, like we can say, and, and not just you. I'm just saying, like mm-hmm. we as listeners, we can say whatever we want to say in the right. comforts of having a job, having a steady income. But like when that's your grind, yeah, and that's what the the, the record labels want you to do, yeah. You know, sometimes you and and then when you're not selling and you see, you know, whoever over here with whatever they're doing selling records, like. Yeah. You know, sometimes you got to hop on those trends. Yeah. And I mean, and this is just probably needs to be a totally different podcast. But speaking of hopping on trends, you look at what Jay did and how successful Jay is now. You look at how Jay came out with Reasonable Doubt. Mm-hmm. It had a, a small amount of success. It was cool. It was a little it was a little understated in terms of the amount of success it had. OK. Second album came around. Well, and, and Dame and Dame Dame talks about this on a lot of podcasts. Yeah. 
Jay went and called Puff and said, how can I make a Biggie album? And so Puff gave him, I know what girls like and all this other crap that that wasn't even on on Jay's wavelength. And Dame, Dame went as far as to say that he thought that volume one was corny because he felt like Jay wasn't doing Jay. Jay was doing big and Puff. Jay did so, what he had to do. So then you go to volume two, right? Yeah. Volume two, um, Irv Gotti did yeah. a whole interview about how, you know, Jay saw what Rough Riders Anthem was doing. Right. And right. he went to Irv and them and said, make me a DMX album. And if yeah. you listen to volume two again in that yeah. context, yeah. it actually is kind of a DMX album yeah. in some ways. I love I love both albums, by the mm-hmm. way. So I'm, I'm just speaking in that. But Jay kind of jumped and jumped and jumped in terms of what the what was going on and what was popping that he liked until he really found his own lane. And that was financially lucrative to him. And which makes sense for Jay because he's Jay, also smart as shit and very talented. Well, Jay also Jay-Z also created this out for himself right from the get go. Mm. Right. His whole retirement thing, like we knew that was coming. Like if mm, you believed mm. it, like he always said from the get go, right? I'm mm. gonna make these three albums, get out, pass the torch, and yeah. then I'm going to continue doing the business side. Like I'm a businessman. Like that right, was always right, his thing. So for right. him to sell out to get not even sell out, but to him to 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 evolve so that he can get more money, mm-hmm. that was always a viable business decision for Jay. But you know? but the difference though is even now, with with a lot of stuff that I don't like coming from from Jay. He still always rooted it in hip hop principles. Okay. He he's never made a mumble rap album. No, he's not true. gonna. He's not know. going to though. Drake yeah. doesn't mumble rap, but they. Yes, they, he does. Know. On what? He has a whole album with fucking Future, dog. Future created mumble rap. Yeah, but I all right on the few tracks that I know that I could uh, I can understand what Drake is saying yeah but that's nah, 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 I, need, I need some Robitussin alright look Come on, no man. bullshit I actually know all the Drake's lyrics to that, sh- that track I there's that lyrics song. on the song uh, uh, Drake's lyrics I know all of his lyrics to that yeah I don't know dog we, we gonna have to agree to disagree on that cause I jump just in, don't jump in, jump in. them boys <laughs> up to something I don't think they just that... spend like two or three weeks out the country so them boys up to something they just not just bluffing I'm not saying they're good I'm saying I can understand he, okay but but I I mean yeah I, I, I consider that like borderline mumble rap and and okay. I mean you know it, it is what it is I think Drake has found a, w- a good way to, to, to live on this crease where he kind of can be all things to all people, um, you know, and that, this and, is true. that and that works to for his him. credit, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, same to, to Jay's credit. Yep. You know what I mean? I, I think volume two and volume one, you know, be they influenced by someone else who was successful at the moment. They're dope albums in their own right. This is true. And they have great material in them. So, you know, um, but but again, that that speaks to both both guys. Right. Both guys came into the game and in their mind they wanted to be wildly successful and they were willing to do whatever they had to do to be wildly successful but that says don't it takes nothing away from the actual talent that they have as well right they're not just people trying to be successful they're talented people that also want to be very successful and so going back to the original argument i would say going along with that that we don't see the talent that they supposedly have yeah um we should probably start wrapping it up soon yeah, definitely. but before we do that though um we should get it a little into um i don't even know the person's name the whole was it uh watch me whip watch me nene yeah, whip nene, dude. yeah um i don't remember what the guy's name was either but the what's the what was the story about how that became popular yeah so essentially the way it became popular was there is a company that is co-owned by madonna um, and they create viral videos, viral talent. And essentially they heard this kid's song and they said, okay, we're gonna, or we're gonna, you know, put money behind this song. And then they, they make songs viral by, let's say they'll find 50 people or a hundred people and they'll give each of them 20 or 40 bucks to make a video of themselves doing the dance to a song. Right. And then they'll just, they'll use ghost accounts and things like that to repost and repost and repost these things until it seems like there's tons and tons of people on this wave and this wave is just popping. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to how crazy this social media situation is because 
like you said about the whole when we went into the Beyonce pigeonhole again, Beehive, don't kill us. Um, you know, people want to be a part of a moment. Yeah. So they do a good job of basically creating or manufacturing what people think is a moment and they don't want to miss out on the moment. So right. so then they jump in and they make their video of them doing whip and nay nay. And before you know it, the shit is viral. And I mean it's wild because they gave the dude like a one a one song deal. Um, you know, had him do the little whip name. We don't even know what the guy's name is. Yeah, it's I crazy because that. that song was like the biggest song ever, and and we don't even know who. Yeah, he is. It, was, it, was, it was a big joint. They paid him off. They made their little cut of it, probably big cut of it. Um, and the joint went viral. But it, but it, you know, it goes to show that this whole viral craze thing is not is not. You know, it, 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 this whole, oh, yeah, you know, the playing field is level and, you know, people build movements organically is very rare. Okay. And I, I would I would venture to say that Juju on the beat is probably a similar situation. Well, I haven't I done say, my research, but I, I would say about Juju on the beat, the videos that I've seen seem mm-hmm. do seem very, very homemade, although it's possible that. Like when we were watching that video, the the white girl in the video looks like the white girl She's that I in saw. The, right, so you know, yeah. So, because Whip and Nene, same deal. It was yeah. homegrown because what they were doing was they were giving people a small amount of money mm-hmm. to make videos of themselves on their computer. So so those were homegrown videos, but they weren't. The person didn't hear the song and were moved to make these videos. Mm-hmm. They were actually paid to yeah. make the videos. So you know. It starts that way, and then eventually somebody sees it, and maybe they feel moved, or maybe like the ALS challenge, they just think it's a really good idea because it'd give them another opportunity to put their face on the internet, and right. you know, so then they make their version of the video, and by by the time a hundred thousand people do it, it's it's just viral, right? Right. So, so where where does this leave us? Are we old haters, or is there some legitimate grounds into our our gripes? Yeah, I mean, yo, I feel like I feel like there's some grounds to our gripes, but I think that I think that we're also haters. I think it's somewhere in between. I don't know what. How do you feel? I so I would actually say that I've been relatively, uh, you know, I'm not going to mince mince words here, but I think I've actually been relatively lenient in the in the sense that I I'm not knocking it as much as I could. Mm-hmm. I am saying that something isn't doesn't necessarily have the 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 quality. The musical quality but i'm not saying that it shouldn't be enjoyed yeah um and so i think that am i going to say i'm an old hater no i'm not because to me like even if because the, the, the conversation back when, when we were in high school was about like oh you know hip-hop is an art hip-hop is trash right and i think that that argument does not stand the test of time and so for those folks I would say that maybe they didn't necessarily understand how to listen to something, hmm. right? Um, it's almost like it's almost like um, it's like uh, like okay, like country music, right? Hmm. I'm not the biggest fan of country music, but I would also concede to the fact that I don't necessarily know how to listen to country music to to really enjoy it. Okay. It's like um, if 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 you're from the Middle East, mm-hmm. right? I straight up I had this 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 guy. He was from like Oman or Jordan or something like mm-hmm. that, and he said that you know he didn't think Americans can sing because there was no passion and no emotion. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I I don't really know what you're talking about. <laughs> but but to me, it, it you know, I'm not going to pretend as if I like some of. I mean, some of some of the music from that from that region is dope, but I'm yeah. not going to pretend as if I understand how to listen to it. Mm. And so. I would say it's clear that he doesn't understand how to listen to to, to, to our music here. Mm-hmm. And so I think that when it comes to, you know, the old hater argument, when it comes to, to hip hop that we were listening to, I would say that the, the, the generation that was complaining that hip hop was not art, they didn't necessarily understand how to listen to hip hop. And I think the difference is, is that, you know, hip hop was more back then. Hip hop was more of, even though it has roots in funk and jazz and disco and spoken word like you know Gil Scott Heron and the, and the and the last poets. Even though it has its roots in that hip hop, what it became is still something that is relatively groundbreaking. It was relatively original. Okay. Um, and I would say that the music that we have now, even though I would say that it's no longer hip hop, it clearly comes. It's clearly evolved from right. hip hop. 
And so I would still think that I still know how to listen to this music. I know that was it was a long way for that me to was come a back long around. Way. And I, I actually think that you're 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 giving the joint too much credit. You think so? Like I don't even think you need to think about how to listen to this. <laughs> I'm right? trying to be fair. Because I don't think that fair. those kids thought about how they needed to be perceived. We talk about the that, kids now. Yeah, the ju- the juju on the beat. Well, kids my, or, my or, point know, is, whatever, but it's not about know? them. It's about right. us. And my point is that I'm saying that I'm not an old hater because I still know how to listen mm. to this music. And maybe mm. I need to change. Maybe I need to not care about lyrical quality or not care about yeah, musical quality and just focus on now. the energy. Which you know, when I enjoy the trap music that I enjoy now, mm. I I feel some of that stuff now right but i don't think it makes me an old hater yeah, yeah. to say that you know there's definitely a, a lack of creativity there's mm. definitely a lack of musical appreciation like musical mm. enthusiasm it's not about like music it's mm. about the viral sensation and yeah, i think it's yeah, fair yeah. for both of us to say that yeah and so that's what the whole you know roundabout explanation yeah. was no, I think that 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 sums it up and wraps it up pretty well. So yeah, I think I think we 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 can both agree that that it's 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 kind of momentary and it's 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 timely. And I think honestly that is one of the problems with us being currently in this information age is everybody wants to be a part of a moment and every moment is now, but but the moments move so quickly. They do. And so, you know, that's actually the reason why I think, you know, to again take us off on a tangent um, that Drake is so popular mm-hmm. and and Drake has to have a million people writing on his songs because literally it's impossible for one person to be a part of every moment. Yeah. And well, so, you know, as as uh, as my good friend in what's up used to say, um, I still says that Drake is a swagger jacker. And yeah. eh, it's all That's good. Fair. But 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 he's managed to create music that is timely and is of every single moment. Everything that he drops is of the moment. Yeah. And so for better or for worse, I personally like timeless music, so mm-hmm. I don't really, oh, it doesn't do resonate with me. I do too. But I get why he's so successful. Yeah, no, I do too. Yeah. But anyway, we should probably wrap this segment up. Uh, so that was it. 80s Babies Podcast, Volume 1, whatever you want to call it. Peace and blessings. What's the, uh, what do our, our listeners have to look forward to next? Um, so you want to go into a little bit of an explanation of, of the, of the segments that we're going to be doing with the, the albums? Sure. Um, so just in general with the podcast, I think we're going to be discussing an album that probably should have been a classic for whatever reasons. We'll get into that. Um, the album was not a classic and we would offer our opinions on how we would make it a classic. Yep. And the first album we're going to do is something that's very dear to my heart, not because I love the album, but because I love that genre, which is going to be. Method Man's Takao 2000 yeah. Judgment Day. I believe it came out in the fall of 1998. Um, so if you guys want to listen to that, get your get, get your get your opinion. Uh, we can get your feedback on that. Let us know what you think. Yep, that's it, man. Uh, signing off. Yeah, right. peace. peace. Don't stop, ay, don't stop, ay, when I-